All right, everyone, we're here to talk about the Yeah, We Know podcast. Well, first off, I want to say belts are just changing hands left and right here. Yeah, we know. If you came through the WWE and wanted to be a big-time deal, you had to go through The Undertaker for, what, about 20 years, Jimmy? Yeah, we know. Jimmy, are they screaming RK-Bro, or are they screaming Randy, Randy, Randy? Yeah, we know. It's Seth freaking Rollins. Show the man his respect. The Yeah, We Know podcast. Find it in this feed, part of the Morgan Knows Podcasting Network. Hello, Internet. The Morgan You Know Podcast Network presents Balls and Brew. Welcome to another episode of the flagship sports podcast here on the Morgan You Know Podcasting Network. I am your host, Rod Morgan. I am joined, as always, by my co-host down there in North Carolina. He's got his T-shirt off. He's waving around his head like a helicopter. It's Chris King. Chris, hello. I, I do believe I live next door to Peter P. Pop, so you have to keep that uh, that shirt swinging in there. Absolutely. I mean, and you're excited for the NBA draft, so you know you're, that's the best way to proper do celebrations down there in the NC. Also joining us is the executive producer of this podcast and every other podcast on the Morgan You Know Podcasting Network, Jimmy Jamriska. Jimmy, hello. I am here to serve. You are, my friend. You are going to be keeping an eye on the NBA draft for us. We are recording this episode as the first round is getting closer to wrapping up. The lottery is already done. A couple of things have happened. And to help us talk all about all things NBA, it's one of our oldest and dearest friends, our guy from up there in Wisconsin, Matt Kazerski, a.k.a. Wu-Tang. Hello. Hi there. How are you? Nice. Are you joining us from the... We're going to talk some NBA draft. Are you joining us from the smooth jazz studios of WKKV up there in Wisconsin? What's happening? <laughs> uh, All right. Yeah, you're feeling yeah. good about the NBA draft. I'm that loving dude. it. Yeah. There we go. You that's got little, me going. That's good. We got a little teaser for everybody. Wu and I, however, are going to take a quick break here because we're going to do something we haven't done for a couple of weeks. We are going to do a five-minute check-in on baseball. Folks, I'm going to remind you here, this is not a bit for me. When I decided I would no longer follow the Chicago Cubs, I have not followed the Chicago Cubs, have not watched an iota of Major League Baseball, have not listened to a second of Major League Baseball on the radio, purged my social media accounts of all things Cubs-related, except, of course... The only source you need, Cubs Insider and D. Evan Altman. Those are the only two Cubs-related follows I still have. So taking over and giving us five minutes of baseball is our intrepid co-host, one Chris King. Chris, the floor is yours. Oh, it's amazing. We get to talk some baseball. And we, and since Rod is a tyrant, we only get five minutes. So I'll get through this quick, uh, <laughs> Jimmy. And then uh, <laughs> you uh, let me know if you have any questions or, or if you want anything you want to reach on. All right, right, sounds good. You have five minutes starting now. Okay. So top tier, top five teams in the league. Uh, I have them down. Yankees, Dodgers, Mets, Astros, Padres. Mets will probably get better. They're going to get their two aces back here soon. But right now, I think the Dodgers are playing a little bit better. Better pitching for sure and just about as good offense. But Yankees are by far and away top of the league. They've lost 18 games as of this morning. They have the best run differential in the league. Uh, They are smoking the ball top to bottom of the order. And Garrett Cole right now is their fifth best pitcher as far as ERA. And he's six and one. 
Yankees, I do not see slowing down. Um, Chris, the Chris, the Yankees are so good. They are twelve games ahead of the second place Blue Jays, who are nine games over five hundred. That's ridiculous. All the teams in the AL East are over five hundred. It is a crazy competitive. Well, except for the well, the Orioles, but they don't really count. Yeah, the I, four teams that matter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I completely forgot the Orioles were in the East. That's how irrelevant <laughs> or in they are. For that <laughs> but uh, so and like they're like they're eight and four against the Rays. They've already played twelve games. Uh, I think they're eight and two against the Blue Jays already. So like they're beating up these teams that have winning records, and it's not fluke. You know, they're coming from behind. They're getting hits when it matters. They're not leaving runners stranded. Like. They are a phenomenal team, and this is one of their best starts. Uh, the last three times they had 50 wins this quickly, they ended up winning the World Series. Um, looks like they're a favorite right now. Uh, a lot of people are hoping for a Subway Series between the Mets and the Yankees. I hope that doesn't happen. And really, I don't really care as long as it's not the Astros. Uh, a couple other little things. Uh, this is for our NL Central fans out there. Uh, the Cubs, and I, all of you long, long-term fans should really love this Cubs team. It feels like we're in the 90s. We are almost cellar dwellers. We're two games above the Reds, but we can't hit. We can't pitch, but we have a couple rookies that are playing really, really good. So that's what we have to look forward to. So other than the hitting, the defense, and the pitching, we're fine. Yeah, the only listen, Wilson Contreras right now will be the All Star uh, starting catcher for the National League, and that's a bright spot. Uh, and, he'll be play, and he'll be playing for the Padres, but it's okay. <laughs> Christopher Morel is one of the rookies I was talking about. He's been playing great, but like, listen, us Cubs fans, we know how this goes. This is just we've had way more of these seasons than winning seasons, so this should just almost be a little bit nostalgic for us. This is um, ridiculous. Just because I'm not talking doesn't mean I can't hear, Chris. All right? I heard your little shot in there about long-term, right? And then I heard your little us Cub fans, right? I get what you're doing here, okay? You're about to run out of time, so you better move it along if you got anything else you want to say. All right. The Brewers are still winning somehow, and I don't get how that happens. And, of course, the Cardinals have taken another guy that people thought was past his prime and turned him to an MVP candidate in Paul Goldschmidt. I don't know how they keep doing it. I hate those teams. Um, my biggest problem, though, with baseball this year is is almost a continuation of last year, and that's the hitting in the league. Again, uh, average has gone down. The batting average uh, this year is 242. It's the third lowest batting average uh, since 1901. And between 1973 and 2017, there was never a season where the whole league batted below 250, and now it's happened for the last four years in a row now. All right, Chris, you've got you've got one minute to talk about that. What are you? What's your plan to change that? It's uh, the only thing that you can do is is teach hitters not to swing for the fences. Listen, strikeouts are up to 8.9 strikeouts per nine innings. Batting average with balls in play is down to 288. It's lowest since 1992. People are shifting. The defenses are putting players where they know these guys hit it all the time, and you're not getting on base. You're not getting base hits. So they need to start really putting out line drives, hitting the opposite field, do this stuff that they used to do. And I think you're starting to see that because there was 20 new hitting coaches in the league this year, uh, for new teams at least. 
and and I think 12 of those were brand new hitting coaches. So I think you're going to start seeing a trend go back to line drive, opposite field. People won't be able to do shifts. Batting averages will go up, but they got to do it soon. All right, Chris. Well, that is your five minutes of baseball. Wait, wait, hold uh, on hey, one second. Oh, no, yes. no, Wu Tang. We are Ron. not giving baseball any more time. We are no, moving on. I just, baseball I just gets no know about time. Chris. Chris, did you know that stat, or did you research that? The hitting coaches. Do you know the names of any hitting coaches? Oh no, no. It's a stat that I that came across <laughs> when I was uh, researching. Uh, I love that Wu Tang is completely floored by the idea of research for a podcast. <laughs> that, that doesn't have How you did you find that out? For, yeah, if, 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 you, if you guys aren't excited for Wu Tang's insight he's about to bring to the NBA draft right now, then I don't know what to tell you. We're going to take a little bit of a break here, so everybody can towel off from that wonderful baseball report where Chris left you wanting more by telling you that nobody's hitting the ball and that the shift isn't a problem at all, is it, Chris? I can remember things that you say. Yeah, listen, I didn't say it was. Good good for baseball for me to do this little thing but like it's the state the way it is and that's how i see it as a fan all right paul harvey we're gonna talk nba on the other side All right, we are back to talk about something that I am actually excited about, the NBA draft. It's sort of the end to one season, and then once the NBA draft is over, it's the kickoff to the offseason period leading into next year. And let's just start at the beginning, right, where we bore before the draft even started today. We saw two teams make a couple of trades, a couple of guys that are pretty good players moved a little bit. One of them, Chris, your guy, Christian Wood. He uh, he gets to stay in the state of Texas, but he went from Houston to Dallas. How do you think this uh, helps the Mavericks, who just uh, came off of a Western Conference Finals appearance? I think that gives them a real solid option on offense, plus another legit defender. Uh, I've been a fan of Wood for a few years now. As you know, I think you are too. Um, I I'm like actually my... not. I'm actually not, but I know Wu-Tang is, so we'll go to him next. <laughs> but like, I think it... I think it's good for both. I think it's good for, for Wood because he gets out of whatever Houston is, which hasn't been great lately. Uh, he gets on a Dallas team that has playoff experience. He gets to play with quite possibly one of the best young players in the NBA, and he will be able to thrive uh, in that system, and then he will be in a winning team, and that will motivate him even more. And Houston – can continue to be a dumpster fire. Wu-Tang, you advocated for Christian Wood to make the all-star team his first season in Houston before he got hurt. What do you say about this move now to the Mavericks? Did I really? Yeah, you don't remember that? No, I don't. That sounds like something I would believe, and I do believe, actually. I think he's a stud. Um, you know, the the thing with him is you got to worry about, and that's his knock is, like, you know, his character. Yeah, he doesn't get along with people. He's kind of you know, Rod. You don't like head cases on your teams. I, I do know. Not. Um, I think sometimes it works out. I think as long as you're not the main head case, I think. I think. I think that because there's going to be. They already got Luca. He's basically second banana. He can. He can uh, kind of you know fall in the weeds. Now, Jimmy, Dallas is definitely a place where you're going to be given an awful lot of rope, and Mark Cuban is definitely a player's owner. But a guy like Christian Wood, who we've heard some chirping about his role, I need shots, is it really going to be that exciting to him to be on a team where Luka has the ball basically 83% of the time? That's what worries me, because yes, he's a talent, but 
Luca's got a cook, and Christian Wood thinks he's the best player on the on the court. Maybe when he is actually playing with someone better, he'll have different thoughts. But I think it's gonna it's gonna be a rough feeling out period. And if Luca comes in out of shape, you know, maybe Wood can pick up the slack there. So that might be something to think about. But I think that uh, it's gonna take a month or two for these guys to really kind of figure out their roles uh, playing with Luca. Jimmy, That's you were fair to Luca there. You should have said when Luca comes in out of shape because he's shown correct. us nothing but the last couple of years. Yeah, I was going to say that was a foregone conclusion that he'll be coming in out of shape. Well, let's talk about another move that happened. The Portland Trailblazers, who fell off a little bit last year after consistently always having playoff appearances. Dame Lillard was out with an injury, and then he kind of sat out the rest of the year. Portland cleared the decks last year before the trading deadline, getting rid of C.J. McCollum and a few other guys. They brought in Jeremy Grant from Detroit. Wu-Tang, your thoughts on Jeremy Grant moving from Detroit to Portland? Is this uh, is this the co-star Dame Lillard was hoping for? <laughs> uh, I highly doubt. I highly doubt that. He's a again. He he's one of those guys that I love in like fantasy, um, but like I wouldn't want him anywhere in my actual NBA team. I mean, he really, he's, he's empty points. Uh, I don't feel like he like really works that hard. Uh, you know, he got his contract. He did, he did admirably, but I don't know. Not a fan, not a fan of him. I don't think it's, I think it's a bad move. I think that you brought up a good point there. He got his contract. He left Denver to get a little bit more money from Detroit, got a bigger role. Jimmy, do you think that ultimately his price ended up being a low first-round pick in the future because teams are a little bit worried about, well, yeah, this guy's okay, but the next contract I got to sign him to is really going to hurt me? Well, I think they, they're worried that he's one of those good players on a bad team, and if the Blazers want to be a better team – How's that going to work, and what role is he going to have? The Blazers. This trade is is strange, especially since you know they got Sharp tonight in the draft, who is the one of the biggest you know low floor, high ceiling players that we've had because we really haven't seen him play in a couple years. I'm not really sure where they're going with this, and yeah, that that trade is. I don't know if that's the direction I would have gone. Chris, the Blazers are a complete dumpster fire as far as defense goes. Even during the years where they made the playoffs consistently, they were terrible at defense. Do you like this move for their defense? Because you are, of course, our Tom Thibodeau on this podcast, the defensive guru. <laughs> I mean, somewhat on paper, it should. However, I think Wu hit on the head when he said uh, what I would consider no effort. Like, there's a lot of times where – you know, he'll go through stretches where it looks like he's not putting in the effort that you need to win those regular season games to keep you in the playoff hunt. And, like, I don't think Portland's done anything to improve their chances of getting into the playoffs in the West. Oh, yeah. Portland's there's, there's there's just fucking no trade Dame at this point. Like, seriously. Yeah, but see, I think what's going on here Wu, is Dame wants his money, right? So, like, they can – I mean, he can essentially be upwards, like, I think 60000000 million I might have heard one year because of how long he's been with Portland and all the different, you know, uh, emphasizers he's hit as far as uh, the, the maximum can go. So, I think he wants his money. Now, will he ask out after he gets his money? I think that kind of depends on a couple of young guys, right? This draft pick, I think it depends on Anthony Simons, right, continuing to move upward and any other moves that Portland tries to make. But I'm, I'm sort of with you, Wu-Tang. They got no chance at the playoffs, so, like, you're you're really just kind of paddling to get nowhere. And how Maybe it is time to trade Dame. How did they go ahead? I mean, I don't even remember what they what they gave up for uh, – or for C, or what they got for CJ. But, I mean, how terrible. Josh Hart. <laughs> 
basically Josh Hart and a couple of draft picks. And <laughs> and a couple of draft picks. Draft I think they already out. traded. I think they already traded one of those though. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah they, they traded, traded to Detroit. Great. Yeah, and then Detroit traded it today. Yeah. Which was a great move from Detroit. So that's that's enough Blazers yeah. and Mavericks talk. But those were the trades that we saw before the draft. We saw a couple of trades during the draft. We'll get to those. But let's start at the top. The number one pick. Everybody was saying it's going to be Jabari. You heard a whole lot of Chet Holmgren actually is the guy to go. And then Wu-Tang, the Orlando Magic, surprised us and picked Paolo Bancaro at number one. Your thoughts? Well, first of all, anytime you're picking a Duke guy, ugh. I don't like that. I can't. I can't think of a whole lot of successful Duke NBA guys, but uh, you know, not not who I would have chosen. I had I had two guys I liked better. We'll maybe get to them later. But um, but listen, I listened to his thing. Remember, I was like, I got home, I texted you guys, and I'm like, I, I, so I missed most of the draft, and um. But I was watching the highlights, and Paolo sounded like fucking Rocky. I, I, you did say that, and I, I, I take your word for that. But I, did, I did not think Rocky when he was sitting there with his mother talking about being the number one pick in the no, NBA he, draft. No, he sounded like he sounded like Rocky. Well, there we go. Other that scares than, uh, me. And you know what else? You know what the other thing is too. We'll bring this up. I think. Uh, I think who was supposed to go number one? The guy after Holgram. Um, a lot of people said either Jabari or Holgram. Yeah, one Jabari. Of those I think uh, I think Jabari's coach uh, Bruce Pearl, who's pretty scumbagish, um, when he was throwing shade at Chet Holgram and uh, trying to beef up uh, his boy Jabari, I think that that I think that didn't bode well. I'm just gonna point that out. I, I know there's one thing that all NBA scouts rely upon, and that's the, the word of Bruce Pearl. So you're probably <laughs> on to something there. Chris, other than uh, Wu-Tang's dynamite uh, voice inflection uh, take there, do you got something for us on uh, Paolo surprising us and going number one? Uh, I actually thought it was smart for Orlando. They need someone to uh, fill that four spot for them, and I think that he does a great job. Um, he'll be able to play right away. He'll be able to make an impact right away. And... He's one of the early favorites for Rookie of the Year. I think even more so than Chet. Jimmy, am I wrong in saying that I feel like Paolo can jump into the league and score 16 to 18 points a game quicker, or is that actually Jabari? Because I think we all agree that Chet maybe is the highest you know, ceiling because of all the skills he has and the height and the way the NBA game's going, but he's three years away probably, right? Am I wrong to assume that Paolo might be the best one right now? Of the, of the two, I think I think I like Jabari a little bit better. His his uh, mid range game is a little bit better. Uh, Paolo has had some flashes of brilliance though at, at Duke. There's a couple games you're like, this guy's got to be the number one pick in the draft, and then he kind of goes away. Uh, but I think they're both. It, it depends what you're looking for. I mean, it, it, the Magic. I don't know if they're even thinking they're going to be in the uh, in the playing game uh, area. Next I would hope year. not. They still got a lot and, of questions to answer. And they still have a couple years to go, so maybe having someone who is a couple years out, like a Chet Holmgren, uh, may be better. Uh, but OKC landed the perfect persons because they've still got a couple years to go. So Dude, let's get to OKC yeah, and Chet Holmgren of it all. Then Wu Tang, what do you think about Chet? What's what's well, your take here, on Chet? Here's here's my this is my just, I don't even have to take it's a it's a rhetorical question. Name me one thing. <laughs> One thing. <laughs> That's not a rhetorical <laughs> question. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, I want to ask you a rhetorical question. I need your answer now. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, Chet, <laughs> one, one, one thing that Chet Holmgren isn't better than than all those guys. 
Who Chad Holcomb's a better scorer than either of those two. Chad Holcomb's better at defense than either of those two. There's nothing that he's not better at than. I disagree that he's a better scorer than Paolo. Paolo can get buckets in so many more ways than Chet can. I think. I personally think Paolo's no. much. He's a much better slasher. Chet, he's a much easier, quicker off the dribble guy. Chet flows within the offense. Yeah, but sometimes flow within the offense doesn't work. I mean, we just got off the NBA playoffs yeah. where you hear so often about you got to be able to get your shot, and I think Paolo can get his shot even better than Chet. Chet can shoot over guys, don't get me wrong, but I just think Paolo right now plays the NBA wing game. Yeah, I'm with you. There's 24 seconds, and if you're playing a team with good defense, you got to have somebody that may be able to take somebody off the dribble or and get to the rim or something to make something happen, and Chet really can't do that. Uh, have you ever? Of course, he he's act, of course he can. Do There'll be act, times I'm do not trying to come down on Chet. Out west is not the same as the NBA. Oh God, the guy's got handles. He's like now. Hey, to to go back with to to kind of talk about Wu here for a second. I would have picked Chet first. I think he yeah. You're gonna go for go for the grand slam. Uh, yeah. You know, Paolo. I, it, it seems like the Magic have picked Paolo Bencho in every single draft for the past yeah. five or six years. Thank you know you, what I mean? Jimmy. Good call. That's your one. I mean, Sean Bradley vibes just really scare me off of Chet. I just think that there's a whole lot of pressure you put on a guy with that kind of body, with that kind of history, unfortunately, and just a league that, you know, whether, whether we want to admit it or not, you know, there's just not a lot of white guys populating the top spots of the NBA any longer. And I just, I just think that's an awful lot of pressure there. Give me Paolo. Give me Jabari Smith. Give me Jaden Ivey. Give me a few other guys, maybe coming out as the as the as the best rookie over the next three years. Now, what what uh, Chet might be in five years, right? When he no, I think right gets away. some I think NBA size right on him, away. I don't know about that. Wu Tang, I really don't know about that. Does Oklahoma City even want to be good next year? Do they even want to play him that heavy minutes? They, of course they are. They're gonna be play, they're gonna be him and those guards are gonna. There's gonna be oops. It's gonna be crazy. I think it's I think it's fantastic. I love it. I just think I, it's an awful you know, lot to ask out of Oklahoma City to all of a sudden they're going to turn it around and run up and down the floor and score and contend in the West after being so terrible for so many years. I think yeah. we're a little ahead of ourselves here. Rod, Rod, do you think he gets more than 15 minutes a game? I do not. I really don't. Yeah, I think I they're going to slow play Chet? this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I yeah. I think they're yeah, going to slow gonna, play this. They're going to play, they're gonna play the crap out of him. No, I think he gets less mm-hmm. than 15 minutes a game. Nah, they're going to play him a lot. I would, no. Why, you might as well. Like, you guys act like he's fucking Sean Bradley. This dude is far he's a that lot skinny. Bradley. You guys act like he absolutely lot, isn't, and you have no idea. None of us a lot have better an athlete than Sean Bradley. Come on, I mean, come on. Yeah, they're tall white guys and they're skinny. Yeah, I get it, but Chet's a lot better. I've of an seen athlete. him take dudes off the dribble. I mean, he trust me. He he's got. He I can, can find play. you a Sean Bradley at BYU highlight tape right now. That's going to make <laughs> that dude look amazing. All right. <laughs> I don't know if you will, actually. <laughs> no way. That guy was schooling fools when he was at BYU, man. Are you kidding me? No, he just was getting block shots. Yeah, I was going to say you're going to see a lot of block shots in that highlight reel, which is fine. Okay, Keith so Van Horn. Does, I mean, tell me why he's better than Keith Van Horn. Because everything you guys are talking to me about this is what people said about Keith Van Horn. Now, sure, this sure Chet's taller, but, I mean, tell me why he's not Keith Van Horn. Keith Van Horn is still on an NBA roster, okay? Okay, but Bobby Bonilla yeah, yeah. is still on a baseball roster. Does that really right. matter for anything? <laughs> oh, yeah. 
All right, listen, <laughs> this is what Chet brings about, right? It's just he's such a wild card. He just absolutely is a wild card in a league where you see what we just saw in the NBA Finals and throughout most of the NBA playoffs, and then all of a sudden somebody comes to you and says, hey, this is the guy that should have been the number one pick in the NBA draft. You're just like, these two things are not really alike at all. And it's just, okay, man, you guys could be right, but I just think there's also a good chance that Chris and I could be right, that this guy is not quite as close to the NBA game as everybody so desperately wants him to be. And OKC, who clearly has shown they're all right with patience, is going to wait a little while, get this guy with a personal chef, get this guy with their training staff, put some shoulders on him, put 15 to 20 pounds on him, and then maybe, maybe two years from now, we're going to be talking about the Chet Holmgren that all you guys say is here now. No, Rod, this is a different world than the world of of, uh, of uh, Sean Bradley and and the likes. This is a world where everyone has watched, all these pro scouts have watched every single video of Chet Holmgren up until this point just schooling the shit out of people for the, since he's been like, you know, like 15 or whatever. But the and, NBA historically is not a young man's game. Then fine, let's move away from what I think about Chet's body and let's just go there. The NBA is not really consistently a young man's game. We don't see a whole lot of rookies come in and start dominating early. We just don't. The guys that do are the all-time greats, and I don't know if I want to put Chet's name there quite yet. Fair. All right, let's move on. Fair enough. I mean, no, you're fair enough. I mean, I don't know if I was start putting him with the all-time greats, but, you know. But for the rookie season that I think you guys are describing, and this is the only point I'm trying to make. I'm not personally attacking anybody here. But for the rookie season that I think you guys are describing, he's going to have to end up being one of the all-time greats because the rookie season you guys are talking about is like a LeBron-type rookie season. Uh, You know, I mean, and I just I don't know that that's what we're going to see out of this guy. I don't know that the best thing for his development is to put him out there that much his first year in, an NBA uniform doesn't have an injury history. I mean, how many guys in big? Listen, someone in the pregame uh, chat uh, mentioned uh, comparing him to Kevin Durant, um, mainly because of the size and some of the skill set. But Kevin Durant came into the league and performed great right off the bat for that Sonics team. Uh, he was more polished. He was definitely more athletic. He was definitely probably smarter on the basketball floor than what Chet is. And I don't think you're going to see that type of season from Chet. I just question a man that wants to wear that necklace on draft night. All right. That's the you other thing. three to four, man. Adds to seven. I guess so. I guess so. All right. Let's move on a little further into the rest of the lottery. So the Sacramento Kings went Sacramento Kings and drafted somebody that everyone said they probably shouldn't draft. And, uh, Jimmy, you put it so eloquently in our text message thread, RIP Keegan Murray. Yeah, good kid, good family, good career at Iowa. Yeah, it's over. Poor guy. It's absolutely over for him. He's Sacramento. But the big winner in the fact that the Kings went Kings is Jaden Ivey. The Purdue graduate, which is the nicest thing that you'll hear me say about Purdue, is just talking about someone that graduated from their school. He now goes up to the Detroit Pistons, the team up with Cade Cunningham, and it puts him not too far away from his mom, who is the head coach of the Notre Dame women's team. So uh, that's good for the Ivy family and probably good for the Pistons because, woo, they went and made another move. So do you think Detroit is trying to uh, step up and be an East contender? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know, I, is this the third year in a row they drafted a guard? Fourth year in a row? 
Yeah, but Ivy's a bit more of a uh, I'm a I'm a shoot this and uh, don't worry about it. Once you guys give me the ball, you don't need to worry about getting it back. And Kate is definitely a guy who will pass. I, I don't mean, think I, they're really worried about Killian Hayes right now at this point. Well, I know, That's but I'm true. just saying. Do you call, think Jimmy. Do you think Cade Cunningham and him? Do you think they complement each other? I just don't. That's the only thing because I think he's way better. I'm not a big Cade Cunningham fan, so it's not like I'm I, I'm shitting essentially on Cade Cunningham, but I feel like they just don't. They don't mesh well. I'm not Chris, what say you? Work. I think it'll work out all right. Cade does like to distribute. He wants to be a little bit of a general, and that's fine. Ivy wants to score, and plus he can play defense, and he can probably play defense on three to four positions, and that's somebody that you want, especially in the East. So you have Cade that's going to be willing to distribute. Ivy, who's willing to shoot anytime he gets the ball, that's a good combination. You got Isaiah Beef Stewart trying to do some of the dirty work in the middle there. Don't forget about Sadiq Bay, who's still kind of a, an upcoming yeah. wing who might be something. I kind of like what Detroit's cooking. I don't know that Casey is ultimately the coach that's going to take them to the promised land, but I think he's a good coach to teach them a lot of fundamentals. And Detroit's got a good little young core building. I mean, the East is just a behemoth right now. Boston's going nowhere. Milwaukee's going nowhere. Miami's going nowhere. There's still a bunch of teams you got to try to knock off to be something in the East. But I like what Detroit's doing. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think and the other thing that kind of shocks me with this whole thing is because I didn't think he'd go that far. I figured if Sacramento was smart, they would have traded that pick. Yeah, not a lot of trades tonight. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, like why? Why a lot of people wanted I wanted Jay Ivey. You know, a lot of teams, and then he goes to the one team where I just think I don't like the fit with the other guard out of all of them. I mean, think of all the teams that could have had him. That would have that you know they could have traded up for, or you know Sacramento would have taken, whatever you know what I'm saying. Jimmy, let's get existential here for a second because I think we've always talked around sort of this subject in a lot of different ways here on Balls and Brew. Are we dealing with? This is going to sound terrible, but I don't think there's a better way to put it. We just have too many smart GMs now. Is that sort of where we are? Like the days where you and I grew up, there was always a handful of GMs, even maybe half of the league were ex-players and guys who maybe didn't have shouldn't have the GM job and they were just making willy-nilly decisions and just now we just we don't have that we have too many analytics departments we have too many assistant GMs we have too many presidents of basketball operations and everybody knows the analytics and everybody's talking on Twitter and websites about cap room and this this that and the other do we just have too many smart people for trades to go down nowadays Jim uh, the the big trades at the top, I think so. Uh, if you look at the Pistons, for example, of course they're going to pick Jaden Ivey. He's the best player available. They have a young team, and they'll make it work. And if they don't, then they'll trade him later uh, during the season. So they're just not going to give up. Why are you trading Jaden Ivey, who's one of the best players in the draft, for picks that may not even may, may not no, even I'm not come up? No, I'm 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 not disagreeing with you. Uh, no, no, thing, no, I'm but just saying. I, I, I was saying, yeah, it had nothing to do with who the I, the Pistons had to take him. Correct. Yes, that's yeah, what I was I mean, there is, Rod. He was the best player, but yeah, that's. But if you're Sacramento, he's the one player that you really don't need, and you could trade to boost your roster. But at the same time, Chris, couldn't we just say Sacramento doesn't really have any needs because they're so bad? So, I mean, maybe just take Jaden Ivey because he's the best player at four. I mean, that works out for some teams sometimes, too, just taking the best available player. So, from what I heard, Sacramento wanted Jaden Ivey, but he was so adamant that he was not going to go there and play, they ended up taking Keegan Murray instead. 
Yeah, well, there you go. Well, you that know what? If you happen. if you get drafted by uh, the Kings and you don't go play for the Kings, you don't go. You don't play in the NBA. So uh, I think Tyrese Halliburton was kind of in that same uh, same boat, and you know that that worked out okay. So, Jimmy, who else do you like uh, moves that were uh, made by teams here in the uh, early rounds of the uh, early part of the draft here before we get ready to wind this thing up? Sure, uh, dude. Golden State Warriors, twenty eighth pick, Patrick Baldwin Jr. Really highly rated out of high school. Goes to Milwaukee, play with his dad. Just gets hurt all over the place. Had a horrible year, but it's one of those players that you're. They're going to put him at the end of the bench. He's going to learn the right way to do things. He's going to learn from uh, from Clay and Draymond and, and, and Steph. And I think that that could be a steal at the bottom of the draft for the the Warriors. Warriors are good. Warriors are good. So you're saying at, Chet at Baldwin Jr. is a potential Jordan Pool, huh? That's what you're talking. Uh, Patrick me, Baldwin Jr. Yeah. Patrick, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a Milwaukee connection there because Jordan Poole is from Milwaukee. Kevon Looney was from Milwaukee. Uh, good scouts in Milwaukee then. For the are Warriors. you the Golden State Warriors deep throat in Wisconsin, Wu Tang? Is that what you're about to tell us right now? <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I kind of. Um, that's why you had a. That's why you're a little late here. You had to make sure you got everything uh, out to the squad. Yeah, had to do that. <laughs> Chris, how about you? Who's somebody that impressed you in the uh, in the in the first round of the, the uh, NBA draft here? Uh, so actually, somebody who fell a little bit further than I originally thought, and oh, I am going to butcher his name. So get ready to make fun of me. Uh, <laughs> was what Cleveland did with the 14 pick. You know, they needed somebody that could come in, possibly play. Well, who what did they do? They go out and get the best player from the best team last year, and that's Otai Gabaji from Kansas. That's pretty good. That's probably what yeah. I would have said. <laughs> but that dude can switch uh, two through four on defense. Uh, he can come in and score, give them solid minutes off the bench. He's not a finished product yet, so he has room to grow. I think he's going to be top five, top ten at minimum best players this year. Well, the skill set you just described I think will fit well with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Wu-Tang, tell us why the team that did best in the draft was your Houston Rockets. Well, I mean, just because I take Chet Holmgren doesn't mean I wouldn't take Jabari. So that was pretty awesome. And then later on in the draft, they got – uh, this guy from LSU, Terry Easton, I believe. I can't. I don't know. Easton, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Easton, and he's just a fucking bulldog. I like that guy. I saw him in an interview, and he just he had uh, he 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 pissed confidence. You know what I mean? I just I wake up it. in the morning and I piss excellence, kind of yeah. like Ricky Bobby, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just, I mean, he was he was. I, I just really enjoyed him, and I remember, I remember enjoying it. So that's why I kind of like it. I got, I got his back. Jimmy Jam, who did you did you see by chance? Can you see who the Rockets got with that pick from the Mavericks, their third first round pick? Did you see who that was? Anybody that of consequence? They only had two first round picks. I think they have. They I only had I two first They had round one picks. coming from the from the Rockets. I thought they are the Rockets. Yeah, the Rockets had one coming from the Mavericks. Holy I mean, excuse me. Kennedy Chandler still on the board. EJ Little still on the board. Unless Wendell Moore, the Mavericks pick was. For Houston, which it could be, actually, I, think could. It, I, th- I believe it was. I think that guy's going to end up being a rocket. I'm fairly certain that in the Boban, they Trey just Burr, they took Ty Ty Washington with like the 30th pick in the first round. That was their third pick. Did Duke have four guys in yeah. the in the first round? Yeah, that's sad. 
And they didn't win the championship in Coach K's final year. Yeah, that team was loaded, though, but they were just too young. ever in one of the same team in one round in NBA should have been fucking UNLV. Period. Going way back for that one. I I thought maybe we were going to get a Coach Cal shot there. Fuck him. Well, absolutely. You know that you're always going to be in good favor on this podcast if we talk illy of Coach Calipari and the Kentucky Wildcats. (laughs) How about our hometown Indiana Pacers? Anybody got any opinions on uh, what's the kid's name? Byron, what's his name? Uh, Benedict Matherin. Yeah. He looked very excited. Pac-12 player of the year. He's he can he can score. He can shoot the three. He can shoot from deep. He can attack. He can play above the rim. I would like to see him play better defense, but he played for Arizona in the Pac-12. There wasn't much defense to play, so hopefully they can turn that around. But I, I think it's a pretty good pick. Well, my thought on that guy was Adam Silver gets up there and he says something about Montreal, Quebec, Canada, and then he says something about NBA International in Mexico, and I'm like, well, there you go. This guy's traveled the world, and welcome to Indianapolis. (laughs) Just full of culture. Wu-Tang, here's what we're going to do as we we close out. Give me your wildest take for what you think is going to occur here because now the draft is over and we're going to move into free agency right around the beginning of July. So at some point, we're going to come back with another podcast after some moves have happened. What craziness do you anticipate? Uh, I think uh, I, I don't, I'm going to say this and I think you'll all agree with me. Uh, we're going to see Brooklyn get stripped down to the studs. I think Durant's gone. Wow. I think they trade Durant. I don't know where. Or for whom? But I think once they get rid of Philly Kyrie, James Harden thoughts. What now? I said Philly for James Harden. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> well, it makes about as much sense as much sense as Brooklyn trading KD. Wu Tang, you really? I mean, that's definitely a wild one. But I really was hoping for something more based in reality out of you because you, you actually really, don't believe that Brooklyn's going to trade Kevin Durant. You don't think if they trade, well, he'll demand a trade if they trade Kyrie. I'm not Demanding a trade and them still trading him is a completely different thing. He just signed a new contract, I believe, last off season. He just has no leverage against them. Star players have leverage all the time. All right, hey, listen, it, it, it may very well happen. You could be onto something. James We've seen Harden, a lot you of. You can just pretend to be injured like James Harden did and cave. Just let you know the team would cave. It's very possible. I think KD's shown us that he has a little bit more competitive heart than that in his career, but it's definitely possible that he could do that. It's definitely possible. Listen, he's not going anywhere. One, he likes the market. He likes living in New York. He likes being in New York. He likes playing basketball in New York. Two, this dude doesn't ever get blamed for anything because he's that good. Anytime that his teams have issues, it's not because of him. So he can really kind of sit back, play 50 games a season, you know. That's a good point, Chris play just about as I mean he doesn't have to put in as much effort as other people because he's so talented and he'll still have an all-star type season because he's that good but he doesn't need success anymore because he won't get blamed for it now listen Wu, you had me at something when you said Brooklyn was going to strip down to the studs a little bit because I think that's definitely going to be out there I think a lot of those veterans you're the Marcus Aldridge you're Blake Griffin a lot of those other guys they're all going to be gone right and I think they're definitely going to be trying to make some moves around the margins. But 
I think the player getting shipped out of town is not going to be Kevin Durant. I think it's going to be the other one that you mentioned. Or it may even be Ben Simmons. Because I think if you're Brooklyn, you can't go into next year with two volatile guys like Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons and just having no idea when they're going to play. So if you're going to have to re-sign Kyrie to keep KD happy, maybe Ben Simmons gets moved. Yeah. No, I, maybe. Did you see what they were talking about on sports a couple of days ago about uh, Anthony Davis and Westbrook for uh, Kyrie and, um, and Ben Simmons? Well, there you go, man. Russell Westbrook is such a, a, a good NBA basketball player these days. I don't see why any GM wouldn't want them on their team. Chris, how about you? Give us give us a, a wild not necessarily as wild as what Wu gave us there, but a wild take of something that we may see that we're going to have to come back and podcast about when we come back to talk more NBA. Ooh. A wild off-season move. I mean, you know, are we going to see, I guess, you know, really, I, what I'm trying to get at here is do we see something in Utah, right? I mean, that's kind of what we're hearing, right? That maybe Gobert's going to be gone. Maybe even Donovan Mitchell's going to be gone. That's that, I guess that's what I'm hinting at here. Well, Utah's way up in the air. Ever since the coach left out of the blue, everything's been in upheaval because I think a lot of players were upset. They don't necessarily want to be there if their coach isn't going to be there. Um, However, I don't know where those people go or what happens. I think think Utah's kind of stuck, and I think the players are stuck there. Um, I'll tell you what. I think... I think you're going to see the Knicks end up trading Julius Randle for some reason. And because he's terrible and I tried telling <laughs> you that for years. And he will end up somewhere in the West on a playoff team. Look at you. Still carrying water for Julius Randle. I absolutely love it. Jimmy, how about you? Give me something that's going to go down. I think uh, I think Mitchell is the one who gets traded and they keep Gobert. So I think Mitchell's the one that's going to go from Utah. I tend to sort of agree with you there because I think that, as we talked about before, when the playoffs were still rolling on, that teams are copycat in this league. And I think everybody's going to try to focus in on how good the defense was out of both Golden State and Boston. And Danny Ainge is now running Utah. He helped put that Boston team together. Jimmy, I think you may be onto something there that he's going to say to himself, you know what I'm going to do? Keep this guy who can make my defense above average no matter what else I have and move this you know, wing on. And there's wings that I can find elsewhere. I think you might be right there, Jimmy. Well, one thing I'm right about today, maybe. There we go. Well, the thing you're always right about is your excellent ability to turn these podcasts around and get them out for the people. So I believe we are going to wrap it here so you can get a chance to do this. Maybe out for you late on Friday. We may have it for you out on Saturday. I don't know. We'll see We'll see what Jimmy does. We're not going to put any more pressure on him other than that. But we are going to say goodbye to our good friend from Wisconsin, Wu-Tang. Thank you so much for joining us, brother. We always appreciate when you can carve out a little time for us. Thank you so much, guys. It's nice to hear your voices. Chris, thank you so much, as always, for joining us down there in North Carolina. We will be coming back with a wrestling podcast here on the network very soon. And, Chris, I think I want to talk a little bit of Live Golf Tour again. Maybe we'll reach out to our buddy Matt Roberts because things continue happening with uh, the golf front, don't they? Yeah, it's a, it's a daily occurrence now. It sure is. So I think we'll be coming back for that soon. But other than that, Mr. King, you have the final word. Goodbye, Internet. <laughs>